1: A oh, run! It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this.
0: Adidas. I'm
2: going to enter the Fat Male Experience. Fat Male Experience. Fat Male Experience. Fat Male
1: Experience. Experience! Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2020 Week 7 Rankings. Debate, breakdown, start, sit, all of this fun stuff. Plus, we're going to touch on the very latest news at the beginning of the show. Remember, if you're out there, smash the like button to the episode. And since it's been announced that Tua is going to start for the Dolphins coming out of their Week 7 bye week Where do you think he ranks for the rest of the season at quarterback? Is he a starter? Is he like quarterback number 23? I just want to hear from you guys where the spectrum is at on Tua as a viable fantasy option. Basically, is he a viable fantasy option or is he not? a viable fantasy option Two question and answer periods this week. One is from the Monday waiver wire pickup show. If you have a trade question, add drop question, put it in the comment section of that video. And I will get back to you on that one. If you have a start sick question or a DraftKings question for the week, and you want to put it somewhere and have it answered, that will be on the Friday evening injury update show. And uh, then I will get to all of those questions and answers on Saturday. If you leave it in this show, I'm not going to answer it because I don't have the information right now. Basically, that you will need in order to do that. Maybe put it this way. If you want to get your question answered in this show, leave in a Thursday night question only about a start sit. Then I will get to that one because that's a decision you need to make before Friday. Everything else is going to be on Friday. If you're listening to the audio version, rate and review. As always, the DraftKings Listeners League link in the description of this video and podcast. $15 to play. Three max entry. No rake. Best tournament on DraftKings, so I highly suggest you go play it and to get your spot right now because it fills super quickly. It filled by Wednesday last week, so just go reserve your spot. Pick your team later on in the week. If you have $15 to invest in DraftKings this week, it is the best best way to invest your $15. And finally, if you want projections, well... FTNDaily.com. There's a bunch of free tools that are up there right now. You can find those in the description of the video, or just go to FTNDaily.com and go under free tools. There's also premium tools that are up there, including projections, an optimizer, a lineup generator for daily fantasy purposes, a stardom sitem with projections built into them, wide receiver cornerback matchups. If you use code MAYO at FTNDaily.com right now, or at FTNFantasy.com, you get the same tools, you will get a discount on the already 25% discount that is being offered. So I highly suggest just go check out the free tools and see if you like them or not, and then you can think that, like, wow, the premium tools must be even better. But maybe the yards tool and the Opportunity tools, all you need, the Red Zone tool, they're all free up there right now. So go check it out. Bringing in from TheAthletic.com, like I do every single Tuesday afternoon, it is at Kid on Twitter, Jake Sealy, My man, what's going on?
2: Well, not too much. Are ready for a week seven already it's just crazy i also got the world series t-shirt on for tonight i know you c- couldn't care less about that though
1: no i was rooting for uh i, I adopted the astros uh during the playoffs i was really <laughs> just, hoping they be, were going they, to win.
2: because you because everybody hates them that's pretty much why i'm assuming yeah
1: i i haven't watched a single second of baseball i was like who would make baseball people the most mad it would just be <laughs> hilarious <laughs> if, if houston had won i just would really enjoy that <laughs> that surprises me <laughs> not at all <laughs> it shouldn't uh let's talk toa. like i mentioned everyone out there smash the like and in the comment section leave where you think tua will be sitting at the end of the year per week basis because you know you can't factor in the first seven weeks against him because obviously he's not going to be very high what quarterback he will rank do you think that tua is worth picking up let's just start with that
2: in single quarterback leagues, i take a flyer on them. and super flex and two quarterback, it's obvious. Actually, in super flex or two quarterback, if he happens to be sitting out there, I'd blow your first waiver spot, whatever fab you can do that's left that doesn't prohibit you from making any prevent future moves. But in single quarterback, yeah, I'll take a chance because, honestly, uh, I feel like Tua, uh, if healthy, which this makes me feel like, they made this seems like a plan. Like the the fact that they announced it during their bye week for week eight, and the fact that Fitzpatrick was playing really well makes this feel like this was the plan all along. So why I say that is because my fault was going to be, I feel like Burrow is kind of his floor, his ceiling is Herbert for fantasy potential, and he'll run more than both if healthy and so this makes me feel like this was their plan the hip has to be okay if they're going to do this especially since they're three and three with Fitzpatrick. so i think you're looking at somebody that could easily be you know what cam newton level like with more passing maybe a little bit rushing touchdowns but that's the ceiling obviously the floor would be he's a rookie and he struggles and maybe i can't see him going back to fits once you pull the plug but he could struggle as a rookie but i feel like he could be top 15 easily given his talent
1: it's the same thing that we hammer down in draft time every year when we're looking for streaming quarterbacks. You always like try to play the good matchups when it comes to streaming, like someone like Matthew Stafford this week, fantastic matchup. If he's available, you go pick him up, stream him, start him, and be on your way. But someone like Tua, based on his skill set, a lot like Herbert has shown so far, and even to a limited extent Burrow, it's just he's not running as much anymore uh, just overall right. during the course of the game, that if you have these quarterbacks with the rushing floor, it's just so valuable. It makes their upside so much higher, and it makes their floor so much higher that i do think that he'd be if i had to give the prediction in the comment section about where i think that he would finish per game the rest of the year i'd say like quarterback 11 that kind of thing which is better than like andy dalton and those type of guys who are just statues
2: yeah i'm looking last week so josh allen's worst game of the season by far is still finished as QB 17 because of the 42 rushing yards. And that was an abysmal game, 122 passing yards. So I I don't think he's quite Josh Allen, but I think 11 is a good spot because you know who's sitting at 11 right now in the season, Gardner Minshew. And I think that if you look at, Tua, like Gardner is probably a good comparison because 87 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. This guy is not a turnover issue. Uh, He has the rushing floor, as you just mentioned. I would add him if I'm sitting in that quarterback carousel of, you mentioned Stafford, Brady. uh, I don't think I'd outright drop Matt Ryan. You see the difference when he has Julio and when he doesn't. But even in that conversation, he has the floor that these guys don't. They have to do it all with their arm. He doesn't have to do it all with his arm, even if he's struggling. And I think that, you know, with Parker's play so far that they have a decent running back in Gaskin. I think that he has enough weapons to be like QB 11 feels like a good spot. I probably just I would go Minshew in front of him. I don't, you know what? I, that's a good toss-up because I don't know if I would go Cam in front of him at this point because Cam's not even doing it with his arm. <laughs> he's doing it all of his legs. And do we really expect him to rush for, what, 18, 19 touchdowns is whatever pace he's on for?
1: I think that if you are thinking about someone like Cam or you're thinking about someone like Minshew, I would think that the options, the receiving weapons at least, how they are at this point of their career are better in Miami. When you're talking about Parker, you're talking about Williams and Gasicki and Gaskin out of the backfield, they're sort of like – where you would expect the Jags to be like two years from now in terms of their development. But there's just uh, what DJ Chark had to say after the game about Minshew basically (laughs) being absolute trash uh, is not super encouraging.
2: (laughs) It's not. uh, I don't really like that coming from DJ Chark. You're still a young player too. And Minshew's like, Look, look, Minshew wasn't expected to be a starter where they was drafted, and he's been playing, you can argue, over his head. But let's also say that he can develop as a quarterback and is doing more than expected, but still has flaws. These don't have to be mutually exclusive. So I don't really like him calling him out that way because he didn't directly do it, but as you mentioned, it definitely you didn't have to read between the lines. It was almost as clear as possible. It could be. And what did Chark have in that game? 12 or 13 targets and didn't come away with really? 15. You watched 15 Chark targets. too. 15. 15 targets. You watched that game and I'm not blaming Chark, but it doesn't look like Chark was hundred percent in that game either. And we just saw Andy Dalton last night. Who's what? 10 year ish in the league vet who has arguably the best four weapons in the league with running back and wide receiver included and looked Awful. Like he was outplayed by Kyle Allen this week. So, not every quarterback's going to come out looking amazing every single week. I, I didn't like it. I understand Minshew didn't look great in that game, but I still say that Minshew versus Tua is a good conversation. I'd lean Minshew slightly because he's been doing it. Uh, but I, I, I think Tua deserves to be in that conversation.
1: I think just based upon overall like pedigree and talent, that you're just shooting, it could absolutely bottom out until it could be absolute trash as well. Like he could be like quarterback 27 because he's no good. We haven't really seen him in a real game yet. <laughs> but if we think about like where his talent level rests, that it's higher than Minshew's. So I think if you're trying to make a ceiling right. play on it, and Minshew's not a ceiling play, Minshew is a li- little bit like how Philip Rivers in fantasy has been for like the past like six years, where he's never going to crack inside like the top five of a quarterback. Any single week, but he's never going to fall outside like the top 16. He's always between like 5 and 15 every single week. It feels like Tua is going to have a broader spectrum where he can potentially challenge in some of these weeks to be the high end. A bit bit more of a consistent version of Daniel Jones, who used to be like that last year. would be like, oh, it's a five-touchdown game with 60 (laughs) rushing yards. Oh, it's a five-pick game with no touchdowns. Like I, I would expect more consistency than that, but somewhere along those lines where you can really, really jump on him to have you a big week from time to time.
2: I would be shocked if Tua is that turnover prone. I get what you're saying. I'm just talking about when you bring up Daniel Jones. I think that Tua is going to be, and that's why I think Minshew is a better co- comparison for that because people assume that about Minshew just because of that mystique of the Jaguars and Blake Bortles before him that he doesn't turn over the ball that much, and I would say the same for Tua. But I think this is this is the upside you're shooting for. I, I think the Daniel Jones at the beginning of the season, what people were hoping to get might be a good thing of what we hope to get from Tua the rest of the way without even the turnovers.
1: Potentially so. We'll see, and maybe Daniel Jones. Now that the schedule opens up a little bit, could be a little bit better. We'll see. That's, yeah, that. that's
2: what they said against the Cowboys too, and that's what they said last week too against the, the Washington team. Yeah, stop yeah, the, making excuses for and, Daniel the, Jones at this the, point. The,
1: the, the Washington team has a good defense,
2: though. As a good front, I'll say that. So you know what? I'm again. I'm just done making excuses. I have been for three, four weeks now. Stop making excuses for not you. Just stop making excuses for Daniel Jones. The one thing to go to go back real quick on 202 two is. I will say there's a slight concern that you don't have the upside of Minshew because of the defense, because the Dolphins' defense isn't top 10, but it's playing really well this year, and it's significantly better than the Jaguars' defense.
1: True. What do you make of the receiver impact here with Preston Williams, Gesicki, and mainly Devontae Parker? Do you think they get an uptick, a downtick, or no change? Because I could see them losing out a little bit, just because Fitzpatrick loves slinging it
2: he does and the one concern you do have about too is the downfield the, the, the ability of the downfield ball compared to fitzpatrick he doesn't have a bad downfield throw he's very accurate with it but he doesn't have quite the arm so maybe i, I don't think parker really loses value like maybe he, he goes from like wide receiver where is he on the season like 18 19 20 somewhere around there maybe he's now just 22 23 small downtick i hope That this brings more consistency to Gasicki, as we just saw last week, freaking Shaheen and um, oh, just this brain fart, the guy, the other idiot who, Dern Smythe, who got the touchdown there. So maybe we get more consistency with Gasicki. My concern for Preston Williams is not Tua. I think that we could get Preston Williams back to last year if the team goes back to using him as the number two. He's been out snapped and outran by Isaiah Ford and now Jakeem Grant in these past two games. He saved last week due to a touchdown, but I'm looking at Preston Williams like he needs to be on the field as the number two. And if so, I think Tua could actually help him because Fitzpatrick and Williams just didn't seem to be on the same page through the first couple of weeks.
1: Let's jump into the rankings. Week seven running back rankings. You can find all of my updated rankings in the description. Of this video and podcast and up on dkplaybook.com as the week goes. I update them every single day, either in the morning and then once again in the evening. And I'll update them right before the Thursday game and the Sunday games and Friday evening after I do the injury report and DraftKings ownership show. So what they are today may not be what they are tomorrow because injuries happen takes change. Jake might be able to convince me right now on some other things. So the guys that are likely in, I have Leonard Fournette, likely out. Tyler Irvin, Christian McCaffrey, Melvin Gordon, Sony Michelle, and Tevin Coleman. Well, Sonny Michelle is most definitely out, actually. And Raheem Mostert and Miles Sanders out this week as well. Bye weeks Minnesota, Indianapolis, the Ravens, and the Dolphins, leading to... I want to talk about this in terms of tiers, Uh, And there's a must-start tier. It's not just the elite guys, but where running back is becoming so shallow. Uh, There's the elite tier, then there's the tier after. They're all must-starts. It starts with Elvin Kamara. He is number one this week against Carolina. Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, Zeke still even after Monday night. Mike Davis, James Conner, Kareem Hunt, Chris Carson, Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs. Those 10 feel like it doesn't matter what order they're in. You're most definitely playing them.
2: Yeah. And we kind of have that conversation most weeks about, you know, who really cares if he's seven or two or three or 10 or whatever. But I would say this entire range, I would include James Robinson, like the top 11. You're playing him if you have him.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that uh, he is number 11 here. So it goes James Robinson, David Johnson, David Montgomery, Ronald Jones, Todd Gurley, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Jarek McKinnon filling in for Raheem Mostert, It would appear and Tevin Coleman, not going to be back. Antonio Gibson, Devonta Freeman, Philip Lindsay. That is assuming that Melvin Gordon either is still suffering from strep throat or he's going to be suspended for this DUI at some point, isn't he?
2: A uh, supposed to be supposedly it's, it's, everybody was saying it's three games and it's whenever it comes down, uh, it really comes down to the also the team deciding if they wanted to do anything about it, but it sounds like they're not going to, and he could play this week health wise. So I don't know what's going on with this. I think the suspension is looming, but I don't know. I, I'm not going to pretend to know. I don't know the legalities of why some of these players can continue to play, uh, why some of them get slapped immediately or whatever it might be. I mean, what if this doesn't happen until week 15 at this point? Like, I just, I, I wish we could get some clarity. I wish somebody would tell us when it's supposed to happen.
1: Uh, I actually have David Johnson ranked a lot higher than I would have expected. Did you know that the Green Bay Packers give up the most fantasy points to running backs of any team in football?
2: Mm, I did know that. They're actually inside my top five for adjusted points allowed to running backs because of some of the running backs they faced and given up points to. This is a stark turn because was it last year or the year before that they were actually the opposite?
1: I think it was two years ago that was the case. This is you can find all this information. It's in my column uh, up on dkplaybook.com at the very bottom of the rankings by position. Or if you just go, it's one of the free tools at ftndaily.com. You can sort by positions, sort by scoring that you have in your league to figure out who's who, but the worst five teams right now in terms of giving up fantasy points to running backs, the Packers, the Texans, who are playing each other this week, the Raiders, the Panthers, and the Jags, then the Lions. So uh, it's an interesting situation this week where a lot of the bad teams in rushing defense are playing each other, and a lot of the good teams are playing against each other. But that's why I have David Johnson ranked so highly. Wouldn't it be awesome if David Montgomery was actually good? Like how good of a fantasy player he'd be? (laughs)
2: That's the problem. He's, he's not very good 10 rushes for 20 yards, 10 rushes for 30 yards He's being saved by the passing game, but yeah, it would be great if he was any good. I will say now, like, look, we're outside the must starts technically, although a lot of these would tech I'd say will say must starts because who are you benching them for? Really? Especially yeah, I, during buys. I,
1: I would say like James Robinson, David Johnson, David Montgomery, and Ronald Jones. Those four are all probably also in the must start territory. Once you get to Todd Gurley, you can start making some cases against people.
2: Uh, See, I I was going to keep going down to McKinnon, especially with no with the situation. What we see McKinnon already in his two games was seventy something yards, eighty something yards, a touchdown in both. And the Patriots not as worrisome as you would see. Like we just saw with Phil Lindsay against running backs, people think you know presume that they still are pretty good against a running back. What I was going to say in this group was to actually debate. Even though you were starting them, I I know we're going to get snake bitten. It's going to happen. But right now. Ronald Jones over David Johnson, I would still feel better about.
1: I can see that. I
2: do worry that if Fournette is
1: back this week, although there's no (laughs) indication. And Ronald
2: Jones fumbles.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and Ronald Jones does one weird thing that all of a sudden they're back in like a 40-40-20 time split. Like, I don't have that worry with David Johnson ever. I just worry that David Johnson's not good.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that David Johnson at this point in his career, that's certainly fair. But yeah, that's the thing. I feel the only reason Ronald Jones is... For all intents and purposes, if we put Ronald Jones with what he's been doing on another team with a different coach, he would probably be inside the top ten, maybe eleven at twelve at worst.
1: Sure, but again, these rankings are not projections. <laughs> these are how I right. would, how I would start them versus each other. I'd be like, I'm still not feeling great <laughs> about that.
2: <laughs> no, but the, I, I I don't disagree with you. I'm just swap James Robinson and Ronald Jones teams, and how hot would you put Ronald Jones at this point over Joe Mixon?
1: Probably, yeah, especially this week. I'm I'm so hot and cold on the Browns' defense because sometimes it looks really good. Other times it looks really (laughs) piss poor. You never know which Cleveland Browns team you're going to get. But in this circumstance where Cincinnati's defense is so bad, if they don't jump out to a big lead like they did last week. Uh, I'd be curious to see if Mixon ends up in that like six to eight target range. Cause that's, that would be huge. That would be, I would have him over Ronald Jones and James Robinson, those type of guys. But if he ends up in like the three to four range, which is still in his outcomes, even if they are losing, then that really hurts his fantasy value. And the fact that they're giving oh. Gio Bernard goal line touches, which is not great.
2: Of course. Uh, but also with this one, do you think that Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham are actually playing in the fourth quarter? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I think so, yes.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> he actually has his shoes on this time.
1: <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, you don't want to get people hurt against that Steel that, that Steelers defense. Very, very brute Steelers defense. They're gonna hurt you out there. So let's talk about the rest of the guys. Gurley, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, 15, 16, Jarek, Antonio Gibson, Devonta Freeman, Philip Lindsay. That goes into Daryl Henderson, Boston Scott, who is presumably starting at least having the lean in the backfield, uh, with Miles Sanders out against the Giants. Corey Clement will be the other compliment there. DeAndre Swift, Joshua Kelly. I have over Justin Jackson at the moment, but we can talk about that. Kenyon Drake, Devin Singletary, Chase Edmonds, Adrian Peterson, J.D. McKissick, my guy, and James White. That is um, Justin Jackson and LaMichael Ryan at 31 and 32. So from that entire range, like you can really flip a lot of these names around, but we'll start with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, from this tier Le'Veon Bell expected to be active this week after his signing I'm sort of on the fence about this I think that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is still a really nice buy low from a panicky owner I wouldn't go out of my way to like give up everything I had for him but I could see a circumstance where his role doesn't really change all that much
2: yeah I'm with you I I told a lot of people to say if you could get Edwards Hilaire for anything less than high end RB2, so mid to low RB2, even depending on what the trade involves with high end RB2, there's not much risk with that because I, I don't. Okay, Reed potentially lying to us, Reed has done it before, but you know, everything's being saying is they just don't want to kill Edwards Allaire given his size and given the touches so far already this year. As a rookie, also coming that's the other part too, you got to remember rookie coming from college and now the games, you know, for 16 games over a full season. So, I understand the concerns. I'm with you that Edwards Alaire should probably still be in the 60 to 70 touch per week, and that Bell just absorbs Der- uh, Darwin Thompson and Daryl Williams' role. And now it's just a 70 30, and the other two are just kicked out of the, the equation altogether. So I see that. Of course, our concern is that it goes 60 40 and Bell's the lead. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the issue. The one major issue I think we also have is what we've already seen Edwards Alaire not scoring touchdowns. And now that you have Bell. And Edwards-Alaire is already struggling at the goal line, already not getting into the end zone. has to do it usually with a catch or from further out. Bell's going to be taking those touches. So I think that's where you're concerned. I think, especially because against the Broncos, this feels like a a reasonable spot. Uh, I'm going to go back to David Johnson. I'm not overplaying the matchups, and I would still go Edwards-Alaire over David Johnson. I understand why you have David Johnson there. But I think this is going to probably be the spot that we see Edwards-Alaire fall into for the rest of the way.
1: Unless it's a very defined role that Bell doesn't take his job. I mean, right. there, there is the potential that even if Bell just starts stealing all the goal line work, not that Clyde Edwards-Alaire was scoring touchdowns anyway but you still want him to have that possibility it was like our discussion about Edmonds and Drake last week where you know if they get on the one yard line I still expect Kenyon Drake to get that touch and that is valuable as as it turned out it was valuable then he actually ended up having a good game but before that he was able to save his week because he was getting touches from the one yard line that kind of thing so I was even thinking about (sighs) starting Jarek over Edwards Alaire as well. But I don't know how Jamichael Hasty or even Jeff Wilson, who was inactive last week with a calf injury, is going to factor into this mix because it's a pretty decent matchup against the Patriots who just don't look good right now.
2: It is. Uh, I'm curious to see if Wilson does come back this week because the one thing about Hasty, uh, I tweeted about early this morning or this afternoon though, about what I thought of Hasty in this pre draft, and he's more similar to McKinnon than he is to Wilson by far. And the fact of what I'm worried about with hasty when he was in the draft is that he needs to be a complimentary piece similar to, you know, maybe Justin Jackson at a ceiling, but obviously not the guy you want for short yardage at the goal line, but Jeff Wilson can do that. So if Jeff Wilson is active, I'm concerned that hasty just doesn't see some run despite the fact that they used him as the runner with McKinnon late. He does have a little bit more than that than McKinnon does. But if Wilson's active, that's my point is I think that hasty was involved because no Wilson, I am adding hasty in case Wilson is out because then I do want to start. Hasty as kind of a flex running back. But if Wilson's back, then I don't know that I want to start either one of them.
1: Uh, If somehow Le'Veon Bell was available, would you add Bell or hasty?
2: I would add Bell. Yeah.
1: If Bell's available, you pick him up.
2: If nothing else, let's even just say Bell only gets five to seven or eight touches a week. If something happened to Edwards Hilaire injury-wise, which the argument you've made for years, like the D'Angelo Williams back in the day behind Le'Veon Bell, he's going to go rocketing in value, even with how poorly he looked on the Jets. He's going to be inside the RB1 conversation if anything were to happen to Edwards Hilaire.
1: Now we have these guys that are starting. They have the main role, but either are on bad teams and just don't do much. You have Devonte Freeman, Philip Lindsay. I'm going to throw Boston Scott into that mix, who I would expect to start for the Eagles against the Giants. Yeah. Although, like I mentioned, Clement is going to eat into that. He was a really hard one for me to rank. I have him at number 22. I think he's a low end running back too. I think you do start him this week uh, in the face. Like there's not that many great options out here.
2: No, well, you saw what Boston Scott did in week one with no Miles Sanders, and I think that's kind of what you expect. The good news here is you look at the last week's game with McKissick, uh, the Giants are middle of the pack against running backs, but do are susceptible to pass catching ones. So lean Scott and Scott should probably get more touches than Clement again, like we saw in week one, but it just it feels so une- like it's just an uninspiring ceiling. It's very similar to McKissick, honestly.
1: And I had McKissick down at number twenty nine as well. Which I, although McKissick ended up getting like eight carries last week and did pretty well on the ground, which I was—I don't think I've ever seen him get that many carries in a game before.
2: Yeah, but I don't know I, what they were doing. I,
1: I will—I would expect Boston Scott to have like ten carries in the game.
2: Yeah, I could see fourteen-ish touches for Boston Scott against the Giants. They, I, that's. Fringy RB2 value, which is where you have him. I think I'd shoot for the uh, right behind him, and that's nitpicky because he's one spot behind him. I would shoot for the ceiling with Swift, despite the fact that I even said in the waiver comp, I do not trust Patricia at all because Swift only still got one third of the snaps. It's not like he was out there for 60%. He just finally got at least one third, which is back to an uptick of what we had seen and did a ton with him. So hopefully that wake gets, like wakes up Patricia and what he's been doing so far, but I don't trust Patricia at all. Just like, I don't trust bill Just like I don't trust Bruce Arians or McVay. Yeah,
1: I mean, the entire Rams backfield is just a mess right now. But, yeah, the thing with Swift is, like, I could see him going back to... Remember, was it the week against the Cardinals? Like, oh, this is a fantastic matchup. They're going to have to throw to the running backs out of the backfield. And he just wasn't used whatsoever. <laughs> I'm hoping they're past that point. But I tuned in at the end of the game, and I know it was a blowout. And it was just like, oh, good, Spiro Agnew is in the backfield. Excellent <laughs> was here. Like, now they're using a fourth guy. Like... <laughs> It, it
2: just doesn't was it like, wasn't the Cardinals game where he got five or six touches or four five or six snaps or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, he was leading the team in snaps and then he only got five or six that week. Yeah, uh, I'm with that's exactly I'm with you. That's exactly why I'm so scared, honestly, <laughs> of trusting Swift.
1: If you play into the—like, go into the week and be like, oh, I'm a dog in this matchup, and I need to score a lot of points. I need to score, like, 30 points from the spot. That's the only way I have a chance to win. Then, you know, playing Swift over Boston Scott, I believe his ceiling is higher. Um, I would probably go that way. But in a close matchup, like, I would probably rather take the guaranteed touches that I know are coming from Boston Scott. And— it's good for him as well, mainly because I know he's going to get work in the receiving game. Boston Scott, that is. And I know Swift is as well. If it was just like a situation where, you know, it's Boston Scott, he's going to get 14 carries and no catches. A lot like what we saw from Lindsey. It's just they didn't throw to the running backs at all. So I don't really know how to parse that situation in terms of Royce Freeman had one target and one catch. Philip Lindsay had no catches on no targets. Against the Chiefs, you would expect them to be throwing to their running backs probably a little bit more. Uh, We can talk about that situation in a second. But I know that Boston Scott's going to get, like, five targets in this game.
2: Oh, absolutely. And to your point about the upside, the boom-bust play, if I'm going pure home run, in your rankings, I would move Swift all the way up to 18. But that's pure—that's understanding what you're talking about. Like the home run, I feel like I'm down. I feel like I need the home run play. I'd put him only behind McKinnon. I would put him right there at 18. But I, the understanding you could get one point.
1: <laughs> I would actually go in terms of like home run rankings. I'd move Swift up behind Gibson only because Gibson still has the goal line work. If they get near the goal line ever. <laughs>
2: I just that's another one I don't trust with Washington with the way that since Kyle Allen's taken over because he checks down like he was doing a lot with Christian McCaffrey. You brought up the McKissick situation. That's my concern with Gibson. But I, yeah, either way.
1: Uh, Josh Kelly at 24. Justin Jackson at 31 for me. Should those two guys be flipped? Like, I I don't know what to do with this backfield. It's a great matchup against the Jags. They could both be good.
2: (laughs) They could both be good. I would flip them. I'm going with you know what? It is only one game. But what you and I talked about, I talked about on our athletic podcast and put in the waiver column. And I'm not saying I called it. I was saying for everybody that was kind of saying, ah, just go get Kelly. Who cares about Justin Jackson? The point I kept bringing up was what if the offense stays the same? If the offense stays the same, Justin Jackson is Eckler, not Joshua Kelly. And that's what we saw actually in that game. It started out pretty 50-50 to start. And then Jackson was just outperforming Kelly. And by the second half, if you only take the second, actually, if you especially if you only take the fourth quarter, it was primarily Justin Jackson, who also got a run on third and one. They didn't even yank him for that for Joshua Kelly. So I would flip them, but I don't flip them with 100% confidence saying that this might not be the ranking. I think we do need more evidence because we only have one game. But as of one game, it feels like they're sticking with the Eckler is in the lead role, and that's Justin Jackson. So that's why I would flip them
1: all right i can do that uh i'm probably gonna like would you play any of the chargers running backs or any of the cardinals running backs this week
2: i would go jacks Ooh, seattle Against Drake, see the the thing that makes me hesitate about Drake is for even, even for the argument about the the late. Well, go ahead. Do you want to
1: add uh, to that? I, yeah, I was I was going to spell out the argument. Seattle has actually given up the fewest fantasy points to running back so far this season, solely because they score so many points, they jump out to a big lead, and then you can no longer run right. on them. And if the team isn't right. going to be running on you, then it's probably more Edmonds than Drake, based on the way that they've
2: right. Played that's exactly where I was going to go with it. That's why I let you go ahead and jump in because I had a feeling we were on the same page because I was about to say the Seahawks matchup makes me feel Edmonds. And even if you want to say, "Well, take out the late run for Drake, he still had a great game even before that late run. But that was a lead that was in control for the entire game. So I got I would probably go Jackson before both of the the backs. And then I would go Edmonds, then Drake and then Kelly fourth. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. And my confidence level is like 40% on that.
1: (laughs) I'm going to keep Drake as the highest of them. So I'm going to go Drake and then Jackson... And then Singletary, then Edmonds, and then I'm going to put Kelly in at 30, one spot behind J.D. McKissick. And I only leave Drake there as back to what I said before. Is that I mean, Kyler Murray might call his own number from the one-yard line, and then he all of a sudden he just becomes Devin Singletary, who looks good every week but doesn't actually do anything in terms of fantasy scoring. But I do feel like there's the big play potential for Drake, which is always nice. He has the best big play. But we've just seen him break off. It's like – What is it, Derrick Henry has as many 200-yard games as all of the other running backs combined over the past five years? Like, you just see it with Drake. Like, once every five games, he breaks off an 80-yard run. He's just that type of player. That You have that big play equity that you have to think about, plus he has the goal line equity, and I legit have no idea where that is on the Chargers whatsoever.
2: Yeah, and and I don't disagree with you on that. Um, P. Ryan, you in or out? Because the Bills didn't look so hot on the ground. They haven't. I've been hammering this point home with the Bills is that they're susceptible to running backs, but primarily elusive running backs that know how to use their space. Like Frank Gore. Uh, for, <laughs> that's, <laughs> and that's why, so two things here is P Ryan outsnapped Gore and P Ryan is obviously more elusive. Uh, they're giving up a ton of yards after contact. They're not tackling anybody. Uh, so I would lean towards P Ryan, but it's still Adam Gase. It's still the jets offense. It's still giving touches to Frank Gore when he's out there. So flex running back and similar to swift you're not the upside of swift don't get me wrong but similar to that hey you might get 10 12 points out of this you might get one
1: rank the patriots running back and you can't say you don't want to play them i'm gonna go white sex rex and then damian harris
2: oh no i could I definitely want i'm gonna say the same thing we've been saying for how many years have you and i been doing this just show by, now? just play james, james white <laughs> just play james white <laughs> why is this such an issue with people every single year it's james white end of story like yes you might get one or two bad games from james white but it's a hell of a lot better than trying to guess if it's going to be damian harris and then getting it wrong most of the time rex burkshead wrong most of the time sony michelle wrong most of the time it's even in the good matchups it just doesn't work with them you know that they, they They were a huge favorite last week. They lost that game. Nobody saw that coming. This is what happens in sports. The one thing you know is James White's involved no matter what. So, yeah, I I would go. I I don't even really care about Burkhead and Harris. I I would go Harris slightly over Burkhead just because if they do have a lead, he might get 15 carries. Uh, But that's that's the only reason why I, I don't like either one of them.
1: I would just think that the pass rush on the 49ers is still good enough that you're going to deal in a situation where with the Patriots down so many offensive linemen, like we saw last week that having the better kind of hybrid pass, catching pass blocking, but still able to run the ball back and Rex Burkhead might see, and this is me thinking that the game remains very close uh, and not the Patriots. If the Patriots jump out to a big lead, you're correct that Damian Harris is going to see a lot of opportunity and a lot of time on the field. But if that's not the case, I would envision him being a clear third place.
2: Uh, yeah, and that's the scenario you could deal with any given week, and that's been proven with Bill Belichick. He could just feel like Sony Michelle could be active when he comes. And I know he's not active for this week, but when he comes back, and all of a sudden gets eighteen carries because that's what they want to do this week. Bill Belichick goes with his game plan, plays the matchups, and you know it's a lot of it's going to happen where he goes for the matchup. But unlike some coaches, and I'll give you a perfect example. We talked about what happened with Jonathan Taylor that one week where Naheem Hines was getting so much run, and we were talking about the fact that some coaches go in with game plans and try to force it even if it's not working. Bill Belichick, because of that game, the plan was probably, yeah, let's get Damian Harris out there. Let's get the lead and just ride him and not put too much pressure on Cam in his first game back. But because it changed, he changes. He doesn't stick with it for all four quarters. So that's the concern you have with the Patriots at any given week and the one person you trust, James White. Top
1: five stingiest defense to fantasy running back so far this season per game. We got the Broncos, the Niners, the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Patriots. Obviously, and the Colts are after that. So you have the Ravens yep. and Colts on bye week. So just keep that in mind uh, when you're trying to set your lineups as well. Any other running backs that you want to talk about? Should we discuss this Lindsay versus Freeman type of situation? Where yes. <laughs> if it's not a situation where the Broncos are leading the entire game, like they were against the Patriots, now they're in catch up mode. Do we still see this? much philip Lindsay, or is it really more of a split if melvin gordon sits this is all predicated on melvin gordon right. not playing
2: well i think it. well i think we could bring melvin gordon to the conversation because what do we talk about late last year
1: but then you just can't play any of them at that point
2: <laughs> no, no, no no i actually think you can is, I'm going to go back to last year for where I was going with this. So I say we as the industry, talking about why the heck is all of a sudden Freeman getting all the passing game work and Lindsay isn't? You know, after we saw R- Lindsay in his rookie season, and then that second half of last year is Lindsay's getting the goal line, he's getting the five, inside the five, he's getting all the run and zero passing game work, and all of a sudden Royce is the passing game option. Like, what makes sense out of that? So if there is no Melvin Gordon, I think your point is valid in the fact that Maybe Royce Freeman is going to do the exact same thing they did late last year, and Lindsey is going to get 15 carries and one target. Like that, they're just sticking with that. I don't know why it doesn't seem to make sense, but that seems to what we're going with. With Melvin Gordon coming back, the reason why I say it doesn't change that much is because Melvin Gordon, in this point and what we saw in Week One, is probably going to be used more in the passing game, and I don't think he seeds that much if we're going off Week One. If we're going off the talent of both, where I believe that um, the beat reporter for the Broncos, Cecil Lammy, was saying that from week one is that it was going to be a 50-50 split. So I think you can use both, but the concern is if they do fall behind, I actually think that hurts Lindsey at this point.
1: Okay. Let's move on to wide receivers for week seven. Currently in the rankings, I have... Let's see. Curtis Samuel, who missed last week. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, both dealing with injuries, monitor their status as the week goes along. It looks like Sterling Shepard could be back for Thursday night. We'll see in that circumstance. Put it this way. If he's not playing and he's inactive, I will change the rankings. Trust me <laughs> on that one. Ditto for Deshaun Jackson, who also plays on Thursday night. I currently have him in the rankings. And then it might be the season debut Jacob Mimsy. We might see him against the oh. Bills this week. So, Cust is fired who up cares? for that. Likely out Deontay <laughs> Johnson, CJ Board, who had a very scary injury last week. Antonio Gandy Golden, hurt his hamstring. Hamstring next to a guy's name. Just assume they're out two weeks. Sammy Watkins, Brian Edwards, and Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, he's still dealing with the foot injury. He had an illness. Now he's working on conditioning. I doubt he's going to play on Friday. So, DeAndre Hopkins, number one in the rankings. Um, it's against the Seahawks. I don't even though he didn't do anything on Monday night he still scored like all right not like the number one receiver but at the same time it was still very good so Hopkins Adams Ridley Michael Thomas Kenny Galladay one two three four five Tyreek Hill DK Metcalf Tower Lockett Julio Jones and then Terry McLaurin who I did the vid on Monday Jake I called him the best buy low in fantasy football right now um even in his bad games he's scoring like 14 points
2: Mm, but he didn't last week. Our over/under was 13 and a half. I gave you a huge margin, and you wanted to go all the way up to 18.
1: And he scored 14.7. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. He had seven no, he catches did. for 70 something yards.
2: No, he had like. Let me check. It was like 10 and a half.
1: No, he had 14. It was seven catches for 74 yards. It's 14.4 points.
2: No, half point PPR. You oh, said we, we were doing half point PPR. Uh, if we said half, half point, p-
1: then you are correct. I thought we were doing draft yeah. scoring when I added it up in yeah. my head. Either way, no, he's, was, he's, he's hitting double digits every week.
2: No, so like, tongue-in-cheek aside from being like, ha we made that bet, I think he's a great buy low because I didn't like him for that matchup for James Bradbury, which I think people need to give respect to for James Bradbury and in the way that he's, he's playing. He's
1: fine. He's an above-average corner. He's not a lockdown corner.
2: No, he's been playing close, not quite. I'm not. He's not on the same page as Ramsey and Alexander and all those guys. In that next tier this year. That's the only good thing Gentlemen's done in a long time. So I say that because he's concerning. What I agree with you in the fact that it was already a potential buy low last week. And then he had a mediocre game against the Giants, whether it's half point or full point PPR. A lot of people expect more around the 20s most weeks for McLaurin. So, yes, I am 100% with you on this. And then he's getting the face the Cowboys. If you don't buy now, and that's where I'm going to agree with you, if you don't buy low now against the Cowboys, it's going to be too late.
1: Yes, that is the problem when it comes down to it. Uh, but it, just double-digit targets in every single game. Uh, Kyle Allen's not an absolute train wreck. Like, Haskins was an absolute train wreck. They can get him the ball. That, that's the one. They're like, oh, that guy. Let's, let's throw it to him. I don't care if he's triple covered. Like, even Bradbury's pick on Sunday. You know, Sunday. I disagree with that. What, what? That Kyle Allen's not a train wreck. You just Haskins love Haskins H- better for you, Kyle. You, McWall- you, yes. you just don't want to be wrong on Haskins. You were wrong about Haskins. Deal with it. Uh, it's
2: not it has nothing to do with. to do with being wrong on Haskins. It has to do with the fact that Kyle Allen is trash. Kyle, Kyle, Allen, Kyle Allen is basically. The they Kyle lost Allen is
1: basically as good as Haskins. No, Haskins no. sucks, man. He's the- <laughs>
2: And Kyle Allen is, that's how bad Kyle Allen is. No, they're both bad.
1: They're both bad.
2: No. They lost that game because of Kyle Allen.
1: I mean, they're trying to lose. What what are you, what are we looking at here?
2: And the last two weeks of performances for McLaurin have been a step down since Haskins was at quarterback.
1: A little bit. (laughs) It's just, look. It's very very marginal.
2: Look. The, the main point about Haskins just has to do with the fact that they shouldn't have been benched for Kyle Allen. I don't think he's a top 10 starter by any stretch of the imagination, but Kyle Allen is trash. We knew Kyle Allen was trash. Don't bring somebody over and bench the guy that potentially could be a decent quarterback four games in because you have freaking crap Kyle Allen. Where are we going with this anyway?
1: <laughs> M- McLaurin. Buy McLaurin. Buy as much McLaurin yes. stock as you can get. Yes. All right. He was he's number ten this week. Against score the, again, score hit, McLaurin. Again, score McLaurin. High T. Godwin at number eleven. The split between Godwin and Evans when they're both on the field is like pretty staggering. So Godwin at number eleven. <laughs> Diggs, Crowder, Keenan Allen, assuming he's playing, Robbie Anderson, A.J. Brown, Will Fuller, Robert Woods. Odell Beckham and Teehee Higgins, who I do think is the number one at least fantasy option in the Bengals' receiving core right now. Yeah, couldn't have got AJ Brown more wrong last week. I had him in the mid twenties. Uh, that was before they had played the Tuesday night game too. I had bumped him up to like 19 by the week started. Turns out that was not high enough.
2: No, AJ Brown back to being AJ Brown and looking great. Uh, the other version of McLaurin at C- Crowder. Thank you for, you You know, we've been on the Crowder. I say we, you and I have been on the Crowder and just the disrespect for him is he's the other version of McLaurin and people still don't want to play him, still don't want to use him, still don't want to rank him inside the top 20 where I was going to go and ask you the question is I want to go to the Packers matchup. Jared Alexander, I brought him up earlier in the fact that he deserves. The one thing I tweeted and said was he's the Ramsey without the name recognition. Do you think he's going to be on Fuller or do you think he's going to be on Cooks? Or do you think it's not going to matter because both of them are similar skill sets and the fact that he might just stay on one side? Like, Are you concerned at all, I guess, really what it comes down to for Fuller versus Alexander?
1: No, I'm not. I, he probably ends up on Randall Cobb to avoid a revenge game. I'm kidding. Uh, I, I don't think it matters. I think that the the Texans are running more motion uh, than they did under Bill O'Brien. Uh, under Shockingly enough, under Romeo Cornell, you think the man's like 84 years old that just like seeing people run around the field would be like, whoop. tough situation for old Romeo. But they are. They're getting Will Fuller into spots where he can get himself downfield and get him away from... And listen, he's like, what, one of five receivers so far this year to have 100 yards or a touchdown in every single game? He's been excellent.
2: Right. So then I would say... To, to that point, a little bit more concern for Brandon Cooks for when he gets Alexander. I, I just feel like Cooks would be completely shut down by Alexander.
1: And this is a team featuring two of the worst run defenses in the league, too. You might just see this be a very quick game with the clock running and people just keeping it on the ground.
2: Yeah, a big, I know we didn't really focus on it, but I, I'm big on Aaron Jones, especially on DraftKings this week after what happened last week, uh, people ignoring that matchup. And you know how people are so reactionary that they're not going to use him.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking at who uh, Radcliffe, per the rankings, has rated um, as the best. You know the best corner, like at least on the, uh, on the slate from last week? I'm just looking at it right now. Who the worst technical matchup was on paper?
2: I don't. I'm going to find out.
1: John Hightower versus Jimmy Smith was the worst matchup on paper.
2: Jimmy Smith, people forget about him. Hey, J- John Harbaugh, though one catch for fifty yards, he did. Hey, he yo. he
1: got behind the D that one time, then he dropped a touchdown too. So that one, that wasn't great. Behind
2: uh, the D, you should make that in a shirt.
1: <laughs> uh T. Higgins, are you with me on him? Like I've had him as my number one waiver pickup uh, each of the past three weeks, and just no one picks the guy up. I play him on DraftKings every week. He's fucking great.
2: <laughs> I've been playing a lot of them too, and actually, I immediately made a. Probably just ruin this for myself if it hits. But I immediately, just for the heck of it, one of my first lineups put Burrow, Higgins, and Boyd in, uh, just for this matchup. And that yet T Higgins has been the you know what Boyd's been consistent, it hasn't been left out. But last week we saw AJ Green, which was interesting kudos to them. And what I brought up is like maybe AJ Green isn't dead after all, and similar to Larry Fitzgerald, how they used him in that game and stopped sending him. 15 20 25 yards downfield and say look it doesn't work anymore they started using them more over the middle more with little you know seam routes and stuff like that so if they do that maybe aj green resurrects his career a little bit similar to fitzgerald and i bring that up because that would hurt boyd more than higgins in my opinion who i agree with you and say for the past couple weeks now higgins i say two three weeks higgins has been the guy
1: And every time they get into the red zone, it seems like he's automatically getting an end zone target, regardless of what's going on in the game, what the score is like if Burrow is dropping back to pass, the first look is at Higgins in the red zone.
2: Yeah, because he's A.J. Green, like like at this point of his career, not obviously that talent level, but as in the red zone presence, the big body, the the option to go to first.
1: 21 to 30. I got Evans, Amare Cooper, Cooper Cup, Tyler Boyd, DJ Moore, Allen Robinson. Bad. This is probably the worst that uh, Allen Robinson's going to get it this year against Ramsey. But he's still a start. It's just he's not a great start if just being objective about it. CD Lamb, I still have at 27. We can talk about him and Gallup and the Cowboys in a second. Chase Claypool, this assumes no Deontay Johnson. DJ Chark, Jarvis Landry into Keelan Cole, who's been shockingly good this year. Brennan Cooks, Fulgham. Uh, Marcus Veldt, Scantling, Christian Kirk, Debo Samuel, Sterling Shepard, Juju Smith Schuster, and Mike Williams and Marvin Jones. I'm never going to give up on Marvin Jones. Or maybe I should just you know take him out of my rankings because I, I, I can't be objective about him anymore. Juju Smith <laughs> Schuster, his air yards per target this year are down 49 percent from two years ago.
2: Oh yeah, it's funny that. As we were recording our waiver podcast on Monday, the tweet from Mike Clay came out. The, I mean, it was eerie the way that we were talking about it. I was, the word was in my mouth. I was about to say he's turned into Randall Cobb, and that's what Mike Clay tweeted. He's turned into Randall Cobb, and that's the concern here is that Juju Smith-Schuster is not only the number three in opportunities if Deontay Johnson's out there, It doesn't matter because Claypool's out there. He's the number three. He's the number three with James Washington running out there. So I'm I'm highly concerned for Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't think you can outright drop him, but I don't think you can put him in your lineup until we see something, and it might not happen. I mean, you need two or three. Let me ask you this, Pat. Two more weeks of this, is he not droppable like T.Y. Hilton and Marvin Jones?
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I of course don't want to. That's such a tough circumstance to think about.
2: I know it's tough to swallow, but I mean, two more weeks of doing nothing. And again, I'm not just saying do it because you're pissed off. I know I tell people like, what, who are you dropping them for? But at this point, if like there was a T Higgins that popped up in two weeks, then I think you can make that swap. I'm great. I'm glad you mentioned Keelan Cole too, because Keelan Cole is similar to T Higgins. Just people just don't want to put him on their roster. They just, they don't want him. He's top 25 on the season. He's out there more than Chennault. I know that talent wise Chennault's a better talent, but he's still a rookie. He's still running as the number three. He just got left out last week because he's running as the number three. It could happen. Chenault could overtake him before the year is out. But at this point, why? I, I'm, I'm with you. Why aren't people? Why are people so angry about Keelan Cole being a thing? I think it's because
1: they want Chenault to be a thing.
2: That, that's that's why. Yeah, people want the the shiny fun toy. And yes, Chenault's more talented. That's a good way to put it. They just want the other person to be a thing. So because Cole's doing it, they're just angry at him.
1: Uh, cd lamb i have at 27 should i drop him down it did appear like he got benched in the monday night game for you know bad blocking put it that way but i still think that he's gonna do stuff here right
2: uh see so i was tweeting about this this morning and i got in arguments like people just want to give Gallup and andy dalton all the passes and all the excuses in the world to go back to the kyle allen thing kyle allen played better than andy dalton did this week andy dalton is again to go back to this, a ten year veteran Kyle Allen switching teams yes it's the similar offense but it's a different the, the, the offense has different players and Kyle Allen outplayed a veteran who arguably has the best four talent players at wide receiver and running back so all of that Dalton looks terrible Dalton wasn 't connecting with Gallup downfield that 's concern of Dalton who' actually seen his numbers kind of drop in air targets for his attempts and also his by the way, through two games, and I know it's one game and a quarter, really, but he's 32nd in catchable passes, 0.1 ahead of Nick Foles and your boy Haskins. I know I'm kidding with that, but behind Daniel Jones, behind Trubitsky, like to date. So Dalton needs to improve. And I bring all that up to say, still in the two games, he came and tar- he targeted all three of them three times each when he replaced Dak. And then this past game, Cooper was out there the most, 10 targets. Lamb was out there the third most, but 10 targets in the same target percentage as Cooper. Gallup was still only targeted 11.5% six times, and some of those came late. I know they're looking for Gallup deep, but Dalton needs to be able to throw a catchable pass to Gallup deep. And people are like, oh, well, he dropped a touchdown. Dalton and Gallup still aren't connecting, so I need to see it. I would rank them the exact same way you did.
1: Uh, I the one person I did move up. I don't know why I had him so low, uh, considering I smashed his over in the Monday Night game, and he did it all in one catch. Jake Christian Kirk against the Seahawks. The Seahawks give up more than ten more points per game to receivers than any other team in football.
2: It's it's honestly ridiculous at this point. I think I, did I mention it to you that I said he broke my APA my adjusted points allowed when I talk about it like that is because at wide receiver where were they Seattle? Oh, cause they're off. So they're not there. I would have to look at the previous week, but I don't think I've ever had a team go over 50 something and they were in the sixties. They almost hit 70 at one point. It's ridiculous. Yes. This is a great spot. And I was worried about Kirk at the beginning of the season through the first three, four weeks. He was hurt, but he's getting back. Yeah. He's hurt. And you know, we kind of gave him, well, I, we gave him that pass before and he still didn't really produce last year when healthy at consistently, so the concern was, excuse me, it was going to be all Hopkins and then really nobody else. But at this point, with three games now of him getting back into the mix, I think we have to take him seriously.
1: Yeah, and, like, they're going to take their deep shots to Isabella every single game. Like, if you had to play Isabella as, a like, a stone-cold flyer this week, uh, making sure that uh, Keyshawn Johnson is inactive again like he was this week. And maybe Trent Sherfield can be inactive, too. That just against Seattle, like, if you're going to play a home run ball with, like, an absolute loser from the waiver wire, like, that's the team to do it against.
2: <laughs> It certainly is. Uh, yes. But the key there is you mentioned, it, is Keyshawn Johnson to, for people to not to overlook that. Because when Keyshawn Johnson has been out there, he's actually getting more snaps than Isabella. So. Yes, he is. But he was inactive
1: um, for the Monday night game. I moved Kirk up from 35 to 27, as we were talking.
2: Okay. That's solid. Uh, to go back to this whole list, I know you said you can't do anything with Marvin Jones. Uh, I would, Juju Smith Schuster and Marvin Jones, I'd go all the way to playing Cole Beasley over them at this point. Beasley's what? Wide receiver 30 something on the year? He's just he's putting up like eight to 15 points every single week.
1: My favorite type of player, Jake.
2: You love Beasley.
1: I, I do love the bees. The bees is my guy.
2: Oh, uh, I was so close to coming up. I, I almost had the nuts lineup last night. If I would have switched out Patrick Mahomes and Hardman for uh, Demarcus Robinson and Kyler Murray, I would have been a smash because I had Beasley too. I, those, are the, missed, those two spots was the difference between got a little bit of money and I would have a huge night.
1: So if we're talking like 40 and down...
0: Hmm.
1: Oh, I I did want to say I'm just looking at Demarcus Robinson right now. I'm at number 54. I had him ranked above, I had him ranked above McCole Hardman last week. Turns out that whenever people think that you should play McCole Hardman, just play Demarcus Robinson instead.
2: (laughs) Well, did you, the snap count was drastic. Hardman's role didn't change. But this is exactly
1: exactly the same thing that happened last year, by the way.
2: Yeah. And yet it still continued to be the same. Look, I got sucked in. I just told you he was in my lineup. I thought at this year, that you know more development that he would just see an increase in snaps and then because he's so productive on a per snap basis that it would be a good game for him at least top 30 35 but yeah it, it doesn't change so watch Michael cole is going to catch two passes for you know 80 yards and a touchdown this week
1: but that but that's i i don't think that's independent of whether guys are out or whether guys are in that's just who he's going right. to be throughout the course of right. the season he's going to have these huge games because he's so fast and he's going to do it all on like two catches but you don't want to bank on that
2: no, I, I I completely agree with you. I, I don't. I wasn't making a separate point at all. I am on the one hundred percent same page.
1: Um, are, is there anyone else we we should talk about? Like, can you drop Julian Edelman? Like, what the hell is going on? Or should, do we just give the Patriots a pass? Cam was coming off having COVID, so that's not great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's not passing at all this year. And Demir Bird has been out there and been the number one for a few weeks now. Julian Edelman's another one. I don't similar to Judas Smith Schuster. I don't want to drop him because he's Julian Edelman. But at this point, I don't know how you could play him. I'd move him further down the list. He would be behind everybody down to John Brown. I put him in front of Randall Cobb. I put him at 48. 48. Well, that's a revenge. I know Judy's.
1: That's a revenge. I know
2: it is. I know Judy's got a bad matchup with the Chiefs secondary that people don't realize. But at this point, Tim Patrick's better. I mean, well, yeah, so far. I still like the fact that they're using Judy in the slot 70% of the time a lot more than Tim Patrick, so that I think that helps him. But, yeah, I don't know how you start Edelman at this point.
1: All right. So, should I? would you start Patrick or would you start Judy?
2: In this game? I would start Judy. I would actually... I would yeah I was going to say I would actually start Judy because of the matchup because he is in the slot so much more than Patrick. Patrick I I actually thought Patrick was going to have a bad game because he was going to be like the sacrificial lamb to Stefan Gilmore last week but he avoided Gilmore Gilmore wasn't 100% if you watched it. It didn't look like Gilmore. And maybe you know what Gilmore made me just had a, has a drop off at this point of his career. Similarly, like corners just go from one year to the next. All of a sudden they just hit a wall and drop off. And he's still been good, but he's not been Gilmore where you need to bench people against them.
1: And, and it happens. It happens like overnight, but it takes the league and like people a while to catch up on. it. I'm not saying that I can tell who is and who isn't. Cause I can't, because <laughs> if you have this reputation about being a lockdown corner, teams just won't even throw in your direction. So you, you'll never right. know.
2: <laughs> It's, it's a really good point. And like, who is the one that Nasi? Like, oh, na, remember Nasi Osmo? the Osmo was
1: the biggest example of this. He was awesome and shut down for like two years. And then like people just didn't even target his side of the field for three years. And when they did, it turned out he was terrible.
2: <laughs> yes, like they obliterated him. Like it's just, it was ungodly how quickly they did it. What's his face too at the end of his career? The one that was playing for the Washington football team uh, kind of lost it too. Even Josh Norman, who's playing, but Josh Norman's kind of he, he almost feels like he's a strong safety playing corner at this point.
1: Yeah, he's good to shut down your third receiver. Like it's actually not a terrible rule There's, for him yeah, on the Bills. But once he gets elevated into D'Angelo Hall, yeah, D'Angelo, D'Angelo Fall, as as <laughs> Ocho Sanko called him. Yeah.
2: By the way, Ocho Sanko gave my boy Folgum a shout out on Twitter.
1: There you go, the mighty monarch. There you go. I just traded for Fulgham in my Keeper League. I had to get rid of Mike nice. Davis. Yeah, I got Josh to... Ke- I got Josh Kelly, Fulgham, and a third-round pick for Mike Davis to the Christian McCaffrey owner.
2: That's... I would do that every single time. Mike I'm... Davis has got two weeks left?
1: If that. I'm also tanking, so I was like, I can't hold on to this guy. Plus, he's winning <laughs> me games.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
1: Uh... So,
2: actually, it was a bad trade because you were trying to tank.
1: Yeah, well, no, that's the thing. I got, I got rid of them, and now I can just keep these guys and like, redshirt them for the year. But like, I'm in a playoff spot all of a sudden because Mike Davis has been so <laughs> damn good for me. Uh, let's move to tight end for the week. Uh, currently in, I have Fant and Jordan Aikens. Obviously, that would really shake up the rankings if those guys are out. Johnu, Goddard, and Eifert I have as likely out, and Zach Ertz as out. I mean, D- Dallas Goddard's not playing. So, number one, Kelsey. Number two, Kittle like it is every week no Andrews this week screw us over Darren Waller Hawkinson in the best matchup of the week against Atlanta Hunter Henry Austin Hooper who just keeps doing stuff every single game like his when we talk about floor at tight end that's non-existent like Hooper currently has a floor which is nice Hayden Hurst Jimmy Graham Logan Thomas Dalton Schultz then I go Noah Fant Bob Tanyan Jared Cook Ferkser Ingram Ebron Higby Fells, Richard Rodgers, and Rob Gronkowski. Someone asked me about Richard Rodgers in the Sunday live chat. If people don't know, I do a Sunday live chat every single Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern time with Brad Evans, where we take your last-minute start-sick questions and talk through all the latest news of the week. But Richard Rodgers looks like he's going to start for the Eagles. He played 60% of the snaps last week. Uh, I mean, Kroom caught the touchdown with Ertz out, but Rodgers was the one who was on the field the most that – you could do worse if you're streaming this week. And if it's not, and if Fant ends up not playing, I'm going to have to learn that random dude's name who was Drew Locke's, like, college teammate.
2: Oh, no, you could just say Big O. Big O. That's, the that's Big O. You, yeah. o- yeah. Olympic that's Stadium. That's all you have to do. <laughs> it's, it's, so da- Dallas Goddard does, doesn't have a chance to come back this week? He he does
1: have a chance to come back this week. I just don't. like It's a short week, so I doubt he comes back.
2: Okay. I, I, if... Nah, well, I'll let you update your rankings. He, he is, <laughs> he is <laughs>
1: eligible to come back, but I just don't see a circumstance where he plays.
2: Well, so I was going to say, would you risk it? Because I feel like he's an easy play if he does happen to come back. Oh, no, yeah, no, no, if he plays, yeah, he's it top it 10. Feel, feel okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. if he plays, okay. he's top 10. Uh, so, Fersker feels kind of trappy-ish. That's why, I, because... that's why I have
1: him at 14. Like, if you don't yeah, have one of the good guys, you can... He's a could,
2: blocking you, tight end.
1: It's just the touchdown potential, but the matchup is so bad,
2: right? Right, so I was gonna say on the flip side, I would actually go with Eric Ebron, uh, too lower. But again, here's the thing, Derek fells. Eric Ebron sucks. (laughs) I was like, Derek fells without Jordan Aikens. You talk about chasing a touchdown, I will chase him for a touchdown every single time because it just feels like if there is no Aikens. He almost gets a touchdown every single time. Yeah,
1: if Akins is out, I would move him to number nine in the rankings. But I currently have Akins as currently in in the rankings.
2: Okay, I I overlooked Akins then. I was I was looking for him. Oh, I don't have I don't
1: have him ranked. It's just
2: oh okay. <laughs> like <laughs> okay. I'm never gonna well, play Akins, would...
1: but it just hurts Fells if he does play.
2: No, well the thing was is Akins was doing better than Fells when they when he was healthy. That's why I was looking for him. Um, so dude how wasted is Chris freaking Herndon dude? <laughs> he just sucks like straight up. oh God it's just it was just two years ago. God the the fall of Chris Herndon. I don't really have much to say, but they're tight got Jared Cook oh. I, we have to use Jared Cook, don't we?
1: oh yeah if you if, if you have him, you got to start him Like, there's only so many tight ends Here's a gronk fact for you I love All right, I, I, I might say like I
2: love Tanyan this week.
1: Yeah, Bob Tanya, I mean, he missed a lot of last week's game with that injury, and then he ended up coming back in, so it appears like he's going to be fine. Uh, routes' run rate, routes per dropbacks over the last three weeks for Rob Gronkowski in week four, 86%. Week five, 66%. Week six, 51%. So, despite the fact that his numbers are going up, he's running way fewer routes.
2: Which it doesn't make sense, too, because O.J. Howard got hurt, yeah. so... I, I it, like this is the Bruce Arians situation of not understanding what he's going to do any single week or uh, knowing I shouldn't say understanding and just knowing what he's going to plan. You know, that's why I had Cameron Brayton a few lineups last week on DraftKings and, you know, thinking that he could be the hit. Obviously it was wrong. It was Gronkowski, but any given week, I think that's, you know, Gronkowski, you're probably going to get, I'm assuming pushback on that. I assume you're probably going to get people saying he should be close to tight end one, if not a tight end one. why well, he, he's, had one,
1: he's had one tight end one week all year. In the rest of the games, he's been I know, but people are
2: going to look at last week. Yeah, the people are going to look at last week and the fact that he came up huge and he's back to being Gronk, quote-unquote. But I understand why you have the ranking there. I'm just giving you a heads up. I know you don't care about the comments, but I know people are going to push back on Gronk.
1: Yeah, they can they can push all they want. I'm a firm door with a <laughs> steel lock. It's not moving anywhere. Gronk's staying where he is. <laughs> Let's go to quarterbacks for the weeks. Unless there's any other tight ends you feel good about talking about.
2: Wow. Chase who you want at tight end if everybody's any up that upset about any of them. Yeah, uh,
1: let's see. Yeah, Big O. If uh, if Fant doesn't play, it could actually be a decent play against the Chiefs. Uh, quarterback rankings for Week Seven. I have Darnold and Baker in. So I go Wilson Kyler in the same game. Guess which game I'm stacking on DraftKings. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Josh Uh, Josh Josh Allen and a rebound against the Jets, Mahomes, Deshaun. I got Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is a different quarterback when Julio plays, like straight up. That team is different when Julio plays, which even if Julio gets zero catches, but he's on the field, their offense is just inherently a lot better. Um, just so Matt Ryan against the Lions, bad pass defense too. Just a bad team. I would expect a lot of points in this game. Brady Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Ebale, Teddy B against the Saints, Roethlisberger, Cam Gardner, Andy Dalton, Tannehill, Drew Brees, Kyle Allen, your guy, Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow. That's the top (laughs) 20
2: for me. I would have Joe Burrow higher. Uh, let's see. I'd have Joe Burrow up to... I guess right in front of Kyle Allen at 18. Actually, I want to put him higher, but I'm looking at, it for, you know what? I would play Joe Burrow over Andy Dalton at this point. I, I got to see a game from Andy Dalton before I'm going to put him ahead of Tannehill, especially. I know it's a terrible matchup, but Tannehill has just been ripping it. T- Tannehill's what, almost top five this year. So I go Tannehill and Burrow. And then I want to ask you, because maybe there's something I'm overlooking in this matchup, but I'm it's like, there's two things here. Minshew, I was down on last week. I had him at QB 15 or 16 because he struggles against man. And surprisingly enough, the Lions run the most man in the league, despite not having a lot of mans on defense to be able to stop you. But the thing is, the Chargers are bottom third in man coverage. And Minshew in this game against Ebert and what should be a potential shootout on both sides. I think Carter Minshew should be inside ahead to Bridgewater. Oh, I like Bridgewater. I would have Herbert revenge against I, the Saints. I would have Herb. Here we go. Yeah. I I, I, I got A team team that you can pass (laughs) on pretty
1: (laughs) easily, a team where you're going to have to score points on them indoors. Not
2: if both are back. If Lattimore and um, Jenkins are both playing, they they were playing really well when both of them were out there because you're asking Jenkins, who has lost it as a number one corner, but similar to Norman playing the number three, Jenkins as the number two was playing really well not having to cover number one wide receivers. I'm just telling you, I would go Minshew at 11 over Bridgewater and I would move Tannehill and Burrow both up.
1: All right. I'll go Minshew behind Teddy B because I like Teddy B this week. So I'll put him at 11 okay. and he has the first, although
2: appearing. that Roethlisberger feels fun in that game, but you know what? They scored a lot last week and he didn't do it. He, it doesn't need to be Roethlisberger. For me, it feels like it needs to be Minshew.
1: Would you play Tannehill above Roethlisberger? I guess is the question. Yes, you would. I would. All right. I'll move. Tannehill. I think we have to
2: stop disrespecting Tannehill at this point. I say we as the community. I haven't been ranking him inside the top seven or eight and he's basically been there almost every single week i'm not you know, i'm not excluding myself from the conversation or disrespecting him.
1: okay so i'll go herbert bridgewater Minshew, Tannehill, roethlisberger cam i'm gonna leave burrow where he is burrow's he's just he's up and down it's it's strange with him like i don't think that this game follows the same script as last time on the short week on the thursday night i don't think it's gonna be like 80 points in this game
2: Mm, that's certainly fair, but I, I just think it's a really nice matchup against the Browns. And he's what number one and number two in like pass attempts and yards or something like that. So it's just, he's going to pass no matter what the script is. He's passing.
1: All right. I'll move him up. Would you play Joe Burrow? You'd really play him over Kyle Allen, the great
2: Kyle Allen, who's excellent. Yes. 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 Kyle,
1: Kyle Allen's fantastic, though. Uh, you'd play him over, <laughs> would you play him over Cam Burrow over Cam?
2: At this point, until I see Cam okay, actually able to throw a ball, yeah. I, w- I guess the 49ers,
1: yeah. Would you play Burrow over Ben Roethlisberger? No, so that's the spot.
2: And I wouldn't play him over Drew Brees at home,
1: yeah. I'm not, I, I'm just not gonna play Drew Brees this year. That seems to be,
2: <laughs> that's a, hey, that's certainly fair. <laughs> just
1: it doesn't seem Evan like it's Nathan uh, Hill, what's that? Yeah, like he gets you have the rushing effect like when all of your and I know Michael Thomas is back when you generate all your fantasy points through like the running backs and then you have like some random dude who sucks coming and steal your touchdowns like it's not a great situation to be in
2: no and we were all watching that game and saying like Sean Payton has got such uh, you know what for Taysom Hill and just get over it and stop 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 and then Taysom Hill gets the touchdown and you know what that means 70% more Taysom Hill like they just he got vindicated and he's not gonna let it go I don't know why he loves Taysom Hill so much but it it just kind of kills a lot of value for fantasy purposes including when Michael Thomas plays it kills a lot of people on this team
1: well maybe it's like a -a rope-a-dope type thing where they tell Taysom Hill it's like look go in and look as bad as you possibly can for the point (laughs) that when we need you and everyone thinks you suck and then you score a touchdown. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's what it is. Don't do anything for the first four games or five games or whatever it was. But then when we do it, 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 it this is when it counts
1: defenses for the week. I go the bills. Number one against the jets. Cause how can't you, uh, the chiefs are the best pickup of the week. They get Denver. Then they get the jets next week. So let's go chiefs. The Rams, the Steelers, the Patriots, the Washington footballs this week against Dallas. Uh, I like them anyway, but even more after watching the Monday night game. The Chargers, the Bears, the Saints, the Browns, into the Niners, the Packers, the Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, and Panthers. Basically, if you're playing, even if you are a crappy NFC East team, your defense should be able to score points against the other crappy NFC East teams.
2: Yeah, that's why I would actually have the Eagles higher. Um, not that they're you know amazing, but it's Daniel Jones. It's that offensive line. I think there's great opportunity for the Eagles defense, at least for a pick six touchdown. Yeah, I I think I agree with you. The Bills and the Chiefs. I I actually had the Chiefs over the Bills, but I could go either way with that one. I would play the Eagles. I'll all the move, I'll move the, the Browns.
1: Eagles. I was going to say I'd, I'd still rather play the Browns uh, in the circumstance. I just like that their pressure rate is a lot higher. And theoretically, I could see them leading by a bunch in this game where Philly just doesn't seem like they have the guns to be leading by too much at any point in forcing Jones to throw. They can run it for two yards per carry with Devonta Freeman as many times as they want, where you mentioned like with Burrow, is that he's going to be chucking.
2: Hey, that's fair. I'll let you make that argument. At least we're moving the Eagles up. And hey, we're only like 22nd or something like that so far, so we've got to pick up the pace a little bit in our defense rankings.
1: Yeah, we're getting there we do better in the second half of the season once we have a greater sample of stats to work with.
2: That's true. That's true. I can we'll run away with it at up. the I, end.
1: I was going to look up the pressure rates, too. Let's see. Defensive line pressure For the rates. Eagles? Do you know, just, just overall, I haven't looked at them yet this week because I usually wait till later in the week when I'm starting to do my DraftKings research to really figure this stuff out because I'm looking for, like, the crappiest teams possible so I can hunt defense <laughs> every single week. Best pressure rate in football updated to now. The Steelers, the Patriots, the 49ers. Ooh. the 49ers offensive line has been really good so that's one thing to look at kansas city is fourth tampa bay is fifth uh if we're going to look at offensive lines for the weekend this is all free uh information you can find at ftndaily.com under the offensive line and defensive line tools those are available in the description pressure rate again let's just look at adjusted sack rate uh the teams that give up the most sacks are middle of the pack uh well what's that sorry
2: I was saying the Giants are middle of the pack they're 19th but they're 32nd when you combine rushing to they're overall the worst offensive line but they're 19th in uh adjusted sack rate
1: oh, i'd say they're first in adjusted sack rate at 10.1 percent now uh denver and the giants are actually oh they updated yeah are actually 10.1 percent so they're both the worst then it's washington i guess yeah it, on a per play basis per drop back basis the niners are really bad it's just they run the ball so much that it's uh <laughs> it doesn't really show up in the sack numbers Then it's Miami and philadelphia in terms of adjusted sack rate again so one every 10 drop backs they're getting a sack which is kind of crazy to think of cleveland minnesota dallas uh the packers and new england although that's throughout the course of the season if you just adjust by the last two weeks uh, a lot of those teams aren't so good anymore because <laughs> they've lost all their offense no. do you have
2: do you have the pressure rates for the eagles what uh, they get against or no for? four
1: i can go back and look that. yeah up. yes
2: uh, i don't i have i don't have this week's numbers yet i only have last week's updated
1: defensive line really curious it's just thrilling fucking stuff here.
2: Everyone wants to know Barkley sticking her face in my leg if that makes it uh, more entertaining. I
1: have Philly at 23% pressure rate, which is like 12th.
2: Ooh. Yeah. Okay. 12th?
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Eagles. Move them up.
1: Yeah. Got them at number 11. That's where they're going to be. That okay. we'll do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. Your rankings come out at midnight on Tuesday.
2: Yeah. Riveting finished this show, by the way. What's that? I said riveting finish to the show.
1: Yeah, that's why is why I don't like I I know so like there are there are different shows out there that are basically just that like let me look at the stats for one second. The, <laughs> the blitz percentage is 39.2% for Kansas City, but their pressure rate is 28.5%. They have missed why do you 45 have an accent? tackles. That's how these people talk. They're the most monotone fucking people in the world. I told myself listening to them.
2: And it gives them an accent?
1: Yeah, well, that's just that's your typical, like, this is how we are doing the show today. It's the same as my internet commenter voice that I assume they all speak okay. the same way. This would also be predicated on the fact that I would listen to other people's stuff, which I don't.
2: I was going to say, I don't think you don't listen to anybody's, including mine. But, yes, the rankings do come out at midnight. Uh Yeah. It, look at only kid you always say that every single week and people know where to follow me but hey if people that watch your show can still come over and get a dollar to subscribe to the athletic cost more to get the premium tools
1: and cheat sheets at ftndaily.com but use code which i this, use which i use as well they're fantastic fantastic tools jake very <laughs> very good people are saying they're terrific Terrific stuff. So go use those. Use code Mayo. Get yourself a discount. They're already 25% off. So the code Mayo discount goes on top of that. My rankings will be updated every day. I'll be back to more with the spread pick show. DraftKings picks on Thursday. Injury update on Friday. And then Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Plus on Mayo Media Network, there's different stuff from different contributors all throughout the week. So please go subscribe. Smash the like on the way out. Rate and review the podcast too. I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching.